the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, March the 14th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On March 14, 1794, Eli Whitney received a patent for his cotton gin. That invention would revolutionize America's cotton industry. Today in 1879, Albert Einstein was born in, I think it's pronounced Ulm, U-L-M, Germany. Today in 1962, Democrat Edward Kennedy, he officially launched his candidacy for the U.S. Senate seat from Massachusetts. That's the seat that was once held by his brother, President John F. Kennedy. Ed Kennedy served in the Senate for nearly 47 years. 40 years or more too long. You know, we need term limits, but the irony of it all is, is that the people who would pass a bill to invoke term limits are the people who are serving their term and they like their job and they're not going to leave until they can't get voted in anymore. It's kind of a sad circular tale, but that's where we are. But I'm a strong advocate for term limits. So when somebody says they served, you know, in the Senate for 47 years, that's not necessarily, that doesn't make me feel like that was a successful run. Quite the opposite. Way too long. Today in 1967, the body of President John F. Kennedy was moved from a temporary grave to a permanent memorial site at Arlington National Cemetery in Virginia. Today in 1990, the Soviet Congress of People's Deputies, they held a secret ballot that elected Mikhail Gorbachev to a new and very powerful presidency. Five years ago today, tens of thousands of students across the country walked out of their classroom to demand action on gun violence and school safety. And five years ago today, President Donald Trump chose Larry Kudlow to be his top economic aide. Oh my, how we need Trump and Kudlow and a number of others right now. We suffer under a very different kind of administration. The banking fallout is continuing. Days after the second largest bank collapse in American history, the fallout continues. The markets tumbled. Questions are swirling around about the federal government's response to this growing banking crisis. People know, Republicans and Democrats, they know that our president is not as capable as he should be to be in the office that he holds. With the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and then Signature Bank, we've now seen two of the three largest bank failures in the United States history happen in the course of one week. When markets opened Monday morning, yesterday morning, Wall Street was in chaos. Numerous regional banks saw their shares take a nosedive. Investors lost a ton of money, started to reevaluate their worth, and others sold off their shares in a panic. The selling frenzy was so frantic, 
it triggered an automatic trading pause for about a dozen regional banks in an attempt to prevent them from collapsing entirely. The news isn't accurately reporting some of this, that that's what's happening. Western Alliance Bank, for example, in Arizona saw their stocks fall 80%. First Republic Bank dropped 75%. Commercia fell 30%. Zions Bancorp fell 20%. But it wasn't just smaller banks. The major firms were hit, too. The big banks, the ones that probably won't fail. But they felt it. Wells Fargo, Citicorp, they each fell 4% on their stock. Bank of America was down 3%. This is playing out in front of America. President Biden shuffled out to the microphone yesterday and said in an angry voice, he's not going to let this happen. We're going to hold people accountable and we're going to get to the bottom of why this happened and we're going to fix it and everything. And then he, some of the reporters had questions for him. They wanted to ask him and they should be able to ask the president when something like this is happening. But oh no, he... Shuffled out the door. He had a little problem finding the doorknob, but he, when he got it, he went out, closed the door behind him, didn't take any questions from reporters because they, this administration doesn't have answers. That's the problem. One of the problems that this administration has is that, is that they are claiming to embrace godly principles and godliness in their devout Christianity or devout Catholicism. But in fact, they're not. They do not believe what they profess to believe. They do not live by the principles of what they claim to believe. There is no restraint in our culture today. And I want to talk a little bit about that. And I have a good example I think that can make the point for it, but there's no restraint. Anything goes. There's no decorum. There's no, I don't want to use the word rules, but there's no structure. That's a progressive way. Put everything in chaos, and then you can use these various crises to advance a cultural Marxist agenda. And that's exactly where we are today. But there's, a, there's some good news, too. Let me share that with you before we talk about a little bit about restraint in the culture or lack thereof. Como News is tweeting this morning and, and announcing, sort of, but they're tweeting. They put it out on their Twitter account, Como TV News in Seattle. They said, Bremerton High School football coach Joe Kennedy, who lost his job for praying on the football field, has been reinstated. As of Monday morning, yesterday, he went back to work. He's there. I'll tell you the way that Bremerton High School school board, man, they should they should be apologetic. The way they handled that, I mean, it was really, it showed that they were operating 100% out of fear, in, in my view. I don't know that I know anyone. We have relatives that live in that area, but I don't know if I know anybody on the school board, but or have met them or know, you know, had casual acquaintance or something, but man, oh man, they they didn't handle. They, I mean, they just shot themselves in the foot every time they turned around. I mean, they had one atheist kid. I mean, a, who had an atheist parent who objected and said he was deeply offended and it, you know it impaired him and on blah blah blah. Uh, way back when, years ago, 
we talked about it on this program when it first happened. And the way the board handled that was horrific. And now (laughs) Joe is back among them. And I don't know, you know, they're not playing football now, but he has said publicly on national television, I've seen him say it. He said, if I get my job back, I'm not going to stop praying because he said there is a higher power than a school district. I've heard him say that and words similar to that a number of times. So we'll see what happens. But that's good news. God bless Joe. Go Joe. He uh, he stood by his principles, biblical principles. He served his God and he did what he felt he was supposed to do and should do before the Lord. And um, that was honored. And somebody will, will shriek from the corner, say, oh, Gary, you don't even believe in separation of church and state. You know, actually, I don't believe in separation of church and state the way it's administered in our culture today. I believe in it the way the founding fathers believed in it, but not the way it's applied today. It's very sad. Some more good news is that the uh, Jesus Revolution, that movie, what started it, it debuted in Feb, uh, February 24th, it, it, and it was, they said it might make 7 to $12 million as they, as they laughed at it in Hollywood. Well, it's now taken in at the box office in just three weeks, $39,453,451. So praise the Lord. That's a double win. One is that the message is getting out there, and I think there's a generation, in fact, I know there's a generation today that really is seeking God, the, our kids. And among them, not all of them, but thousands, perhaps millions of kids across America are wanting reality, and they're not finding it in the culture in which they live. They don't find it in the classroom for sure, but they're not finding it even in some of their churches. They're not finding the reality of the gospel that transforms a life, that brings about transformation and joy and peace and hope that all of us want and need. They're not finding that. And all of a sudden, Jesus' revolution of the 60s and 70s that I lived through as a youth pastor, I was a few years older than those kids, but man, I remember it. I mean, it was indescribable. We all knew something unbelievable was happening, but we couldn't really define it. Now, looking back a number of years, um, we see that it was a sovereign move of God. And it was misunderstood by some. Some well-meaning people totally misunderstood it. Some people didn't want it. They didn't want that kind of of a spiritual renewal in America. I mean, after all, what are we going to become? You know, some kind of a, you know, a religious nation and uh, a nation that forces everybody to serve Jesus and on and on it went. But this Jesus revolution couldn't have been timed better. It was timed, I believe, of the Lord. And um, as I watch it play out, I got to tell you, it warms my heart because there are kids today in Asbury and all across the country. The press isn't reporting on it anymore, but I'll tell you, these kids are still praying and still carrying on with their, there's an outpouring of God's spirit on this generation across the nation today. And it, it it's denied by some and, and it's, it's, you know, overanalyzed by some others and the news media now has they were all over it the first few days because that's what they do and they've moved on now but there is still a move of god that's happening among kids in the country today and that's good news 
Trump, I guess if you're Donald Trump, you also got some good news. He's gotten the last laugh in this battle against the woke bank. This bank, the the, the signature bank, the second one that fell um, now in the last few days, the signature bank in New York. They, um, it's interesting. I'll just share this with you. It gave me a kind of a smile. I mean, not kind of, a, kind of a big smile, actually. I don't know if I should be smiling or not, but I am. But um, anyway, this uh, Trump has apparently gotten the last laugh in this battle against the, this woke bank. Signature Bank had kind of defined themselves as being really woke. I mean, like on the cutting edge of progressivism and and you know and so on. Well. It was seized by regulators on Sunday night. It was the second, which is second bank to, to fail over the weekend. And uh, it's the third largest bank ever to fail, with uh, the Silicon Valley being the second and Washington Mutual back in, I think it was 2008, being the, the largest bank to ever fail in the, in the U.S. But anyway, this third largest bank failure was followed by two days of authorities, you know, shuttering Silicon Bank and, and so on. Well, Barney Frank, you may remember him. He was an activist homosexual in Congress. Uh, he sat on the board of Signature Bank. But after this January 6th um, episode at the Capitol, the, the insurrection, as they called it, Signature Bank issued a self-righteous statement that was signature example of what woke really looks like in America. Here's what they said. The Signature Bank, they're now locked. They're, they're down. They're, they're done. We have never before commented on any political matter. This was after January 6th. We have never per, um, before commented on any political matter and hope to never do so again. This New York-based bank led by Joseph DePaleo However, as he said, however, as Americans, we are deeply, deeply saddened by the rioting and insurrection that took place in the most sacred of American institutions, our United States Capitol. Signature then proceeded to close Donald Trump's personal accounts at the bank, and they made a public statement, and the media, of course, was panting to put it out in front of everybody. They said, uh, he warned, he said, we will not do business in the future with any members of Congress who voted to disregard the Electoral College. This was after they closed all of Donald Trump's bank accounts. Now, if Signature Bank met congressional members who exercised their constitutional right to object to elections, that's something that Democrats have done every time they've lost an election since 2000. For 23 years, every election that the Democrats have lost, they have said, oh, it was rigged. It, it wasn't an honest election and so on. Signature Bank and all of these guys on the left are so selective in what they believe and don't believe. It, it's amazing. But anyway, it seems that Signature Bank just can't get their history right. So it's not surprising that they couldn't get their balance sheet right either. After closing Donald Trump's personal bank accounts, they then called for Trump. To resign. Well, I just thought you would like to know that. Signature Bank, that's kind of their signature, I guess, as they say. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 56, the Bible says, Blessed be the Lord that hath given us rest unto his people Israel. According to all that he promised, there hath not failed one word of all his good promise. 
God has never failed, and he has never failed to keep his promises. Keep that in the forefront of your mind and heart today. That's the most important thing that I have to tell you today. It is the word of the Lord. As the progressive left continues its path to utopia, as they call it, it's becoming more and more clear, at least to me, and I think to most all of us, that there is a path of destruction. Ohio, I know most of you don't live in Ohio that listen to this program. We're primarily in the West. We are entirely in the West. But it, it, Ohio is an example. I don't know if they meant to be if, or if it just happened. It seems to me that there are a lot of conservative, clear-thinking people in Ohio. But anyway, they've become kind of an example of throwing off restraint and pushing restraint away from them so there is no restraint in their lawmaking. And here's where they are. Take this as an example of of what can happen in any state, particularly a left-leaning state, but any state even if it's not a left-leaning state. Ohio is showing the country what this proverbial next step, this lack of restraint, should look like regarding abortion and transgenderism. They're trying to get a bill before the people uh, in this upcoming November election that will cast aside any restraint, and it marries abortion and transgenderism under one umbrella, which is women's health care. Now, that move has been on for quite some time. But I want to talk to you a little bit about this. This proposed Ohio constitutional amendment would make the state a haven for no-limits abortion and all kinds of other procedures, particularly directed at the transgenderism movement, because there are millions, hundreds of millions, perhaps billions of dollars that are flowing within that transgender um, movement. And we'll get to that in a moment. But the National Review talked a little bit about this yesterday. They said two abortion advocacy groups, Ohioans for Reproductive Freedom and Ohio Physicians for Reproductive Rights, are attempting to place on the November 2023 ballot a proposed state constitutional amendment that would effectively obliterate most limits to abortion or sex change surgery. It is the most far-reaching, the most blatant that I've seen, and apparently it's the people, the writers at National Review feel the same way. They said it would effectively obliterate most limits to abortion or sex change surgery, among its other far-reaching consequences. The proposal was approved by the Ohio Ballot Board Today, that was on Monday, yesterday, after which the groups will now begin the process of collecting the signatures required to make the the November 7 ballot. Well, when I saw that, I thought, no, they're never going to get that on a ballot in Ohio or probably anywhere else, maybe, maybe Oregon or Washington, but not. So anyway, the news media predictably framed and they proposed this amendment to the public as a means of adding a right to abortion to the state constitution. It's a hundred times more than that. But they're already running interference for this thing, the media. They always do. It doesn't matter how bizarre, how overreaching it is. The media is always out there waving their banners, beating their drum, 
and they're telling people a part of the truth and misleading them by using only part of the truth as part of their reporting. And that's what's happen- happening. Very misleading. So if it became law, this measure would go much further than these groups' collective desire to repeal Ohio's heartbeat law. Ohio has a heartbeat law. If you detect a heartbeat, then they can't abort. I mean, that's that's very conservative. It's, it's wonderful. It should be no abortion, period, but that's wonderful. So that's typically six weeks. At about six weeks, a child's heart, you can detect their heartbeat in the mother's womb. But while still allowing parents to or doctors to prevent the death of an impairment or a major bodily function of the mother, the statute, the statute says that they have pretty much free reign to do whatever the child in the in the regards to transgenderism and the mother wants regarding abortion. Now, this propo- proposed amendment would outlaw virtually any restrictions on abortion and all other procedures, including sex change surgeries that touch on reproduction for both adults and minors. It would cancel not only uh, parental consent laws, but also mere parental notification for minors, abortions, or sex change surgeries. It would strike down, if it became law, it would strike down health protections for people of all ages who undergo these procedures, including requirements that qualified physician perform them. So you could have some guy, I mean, really operating out of their home or their garage doing a board. I mean, it, it is it is barbaric on the face of it. And you say, well, these are just a few activists. No, it is, it's not. There's hundreds and hundreds of doctors that have signed on to this. That's what caught my attention. You'll not be surprised that the, proposals language is unrestrained but you may be surprised i was a little bit surprised at who's supporting this thing and i thought there's got to be more to this i mean are we that morally depraved in america i hope not there is a money factor and i'll get to that in a moment Beneath all of this is this overarching hostility, though, to parents. Every part of this law, and I read it over carefully. It's, it, it's kind of lengthy, but I read it over yesterday afternoon very carefully. And I, I mean, man, I, I almost couldn't believe it. I, I reread a couple of parts of it. But the, the point of the spear seems to me, it's kind of to put that point of the spear in the heart of the parent. And move them out, not literally, hopefully, but to move them out of the way. Because parents keep getting in the way of the leftist agenda, particularly as it relates to educating children, transgender kids now. Everybody, all these little kids will say, man, I think I'm a girl. These boys say, and they laugh and they tell each other, well, I might be a boy. I I played baseball once or whatever. I mean, they've just created this. It's humorous on the surface, but it's just heartbreaking beneath the surface of it all. It's just, it's barbaric to the core. And yet here we are, the, the only nation in the history of the world that was founded based on Judeo Christian principles, not ancient 
bloodlines or ancient borders? No, we weren't formed that way. Look at all the other countries on the planet. That's their birthright. I mean, they came into existence through ancient borders or ancient bloodlines. Not America. We were founded on the principle of Judeo-Christian values and godly, godly leadership. Read what the Founding Fathers said. So here we are now. We're doing this thing in Ohio that is an example, hopefully, to the rest of the country. There's legislators in over two dozen states that are currently debating measures that would impose limits on these kinds of actions. Limits on procedures that can be performed to alter uh, appearance and sexual characteristics on minors to align with their identified sex and so on. But the proposed Ohio amendment would turn this common sense family principle upside down. And that's what they're trying to do. I wrote an article on this today, and there's a lot of information in it. I would direct you there if you would like to read more. And I, I, I wish you would, because parents, grandparents, people who care, believers for sure, need to know what about this. Because I don't think, I don't think, I mean, I'm. this is just my view, but I don't think they think they could probably get this passed. It's so bizarre. But I think they want to know how far they can go with this, how far they can push the envelope, and then they'll regroup and come back, and they'll operate within what they see as the limits of public acceptance right now in our culture for these bizarre things that they're wanting to do. Behind this, there is a darkness. It is satanic in our culture. There's no question about that. I mean, there's no other way to describe it or see it for a spiritual or a Christian person. But it is also about the money. And when you look into who's funding this transgender movement, you find that, boy, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of names you know. This Jennifer Pritzker is a male who identifies as a transgender and they have billions of dollars, the Pritzker family. George Soros is putting a ton of money into this. Um, this Martine Rothblatt, a male who identifies as transgender, transhumanist. Tim Gill is a gay man. Drummond Pike, Warren and Peter Buffett. John Stryker, a gay man. Mark Boham, a, a gay man. Rick Weiland, a deceased gay man whose philanthropy is still going completely to the LGBT-oriented laws and so on. All of these guys are billionaires. And they're putting their money behind these things because, one, they're making a lot of money on it, and many of them own stock in medical companies, pharmaceutical companies, that are going to be supplying all these pills and needles and knives and whatever to change these little kids from boys to girls and girls to boys. So, I mean, that's a whole universe of darkness and evil that's behind driving this. Well, we our children, Johnny identifies as a girl today, and so we're going to change the laws of the school and on. I mean, we need to take a deep breath and ask God to forgive us and start over. We need revival. Well, I'm out of time today, but thank you for being with me, and we'll continue this conversation tomorrow. And thank you for your support. Your support is the entire support of this ministry. So thank you for standing with us. 
Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. I'll see you right here tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.